So the law should say, you shall not murder. If you murder, you will be punished as a murderer. The church can come in and say, after those people have murdered, though your sins be many, they can be white as snow because Christ died for murderers. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. All right. Well, this is episode 51 of the Carpe Fide podcast. Right? Yes, episode oh, okay. 51. All right, good. Yeah, you, you had it wrong on the notes initially. But I don't I think I did, but you. you changed it. So we're going with episode oh, 51. Yeah. I could check this. <laughs> and tonight we'll be talking about abolishing abortion. And we have a special guest with us this evening to discuss abolishing See, our new year episode abortion. Was, okay, our new year fine. episode was 50 and now it's 51. I don't count the special episodes as actual episodes. It's named, so whatever. Well, fine. <laughs> Way to keep ruining my introduction. So you may, you may continue. Our special, our special guest on tonight with us is Dusty Devers, pastors out. And I'm, I'm actually going to let him actually say the church name so I don't mess it up. But he pastors out in Oklahoma, uh, which makes me want to sing the song. But yeah. I'll spare everyone. I'm really holding back. I know it's hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's going to be speaking with us uh, about uh, the abolitionist movement uh, that is in that is just taking hold in. In orthodox biblical Christianity, yeah. <laughs> I'll say it that way because I like to be very specific about what kind of <laughs> Christianity we're talking about here. There's too many posers around. There's a lot of posers. Of posers. Um, and so he's going to be speaking with us about what uh, he connects with, which is rescue those, and also we're going to connect in with free the states, which is our uh, our big our big push this month to connect some people to these ministries that are focusing on totally abolishing abortion. So Dusty, welcome, welcome to the Carpe Fide podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, really consider this topic. Absolutely, Absolutely. I, I, Jinx. I'm Jinx. No, I'm just more thankful you're you're taking the time to talk with us because I mean you're a busy man. Um, <laughs> we we have very very simple questions to get us going, and I know as as we've already spoken that that will trigger, I'm sure, a multitude, a plethora of additions. Oh. Questions, additional questions, um, but just to start us off, uh, a little bit about you. Who are you? What you, what do you do? And uh, how are you involved with the abolition movement? Well, my name is Dusty Devers, like you guys have said, and I'm a pastor of Grace Community Church here in Elgin, Oklahoma. I've been here for since we planted it uh, about five and a half years ago. Um, I have I'm married and have. Uh, six kids, age 16, down to four years old. Well above and, replacement rate. Well done. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, my wife. Um, and uh, we are a Reformed Baptist church. And I guess I came into the abolitionist movement about two, uh, two and a half years ago. Um, so it's, I'm pretty, pretty new and fresh to the movement. And by God's grace, uh, I've been, uh, repenting since then and seeking to live faithfully in accordance with God's word and uh, his work in my life by the spirit. And uh, it's been just an incredible time. And I feel like uh, by God's grace, it's been fruitful. And I just long to abide in Christ all the more that he would bear fruit for his namesake. Amen. Amen. That's excellent. Yeah, everybody, write that down. We should. We should all. We should all. We should memorize that, and then that that'll be everybody's. Yes, yeah, yes. He, yeah, he does call us to abide in him. I think. Yeah. I think we tend to forget that. 
We think life's we have... just so busy to just abide in things. No, jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, withdraw and abide. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it will just happen out there, away from your activity. Right? <laughs> that tends to be our uh, some of the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, as we've said it so many times now tonight, abolitionist, abolish, abolition, and and we're we're speaking directly in reference to abortion. So maybe you could unpack this for us. What exactly, you know, to call yourself an abolitionist, what exactly does that mean? Well, an abolitionist, maybe I'll just start with a few definitions. Uh, To abolish means to formally put an end to a system or to outlaw a system or a practice or an institution. So we, we get that from, you know, slavery abolition. Slavery abolition was the movement which was a biblical movement to bring God's word into the conversation of slavery and say, what must we do with this institution of slavery? And it needed to be abolished according to God's word. And it was, it was that, that system and that practice, which became an institution that was abolished. So now if you apply that to abortion and say, well, how do we deal with this great Holocaust in our day? The abolitionist, looks at this evil, this great evil of our time and says, how do we, how do we, how does the bride of Christ address and combat evil in our society? The abolitionist of, of abortion says, well, abortion is the great Holocaust and evil of our society. There's over 3000 children being slaughtered that we have record of in the United States right now. Now that's not even counting chemical abortion. Um, but then across the world, uh, you've got 150,000 plus abortions every day, not counting chemical abortions that are happening every day. And how do how does the bride of Christ? How does what does God command us regarding this Holocaust? And we would say God's word says to cease to do evil immediately without exception or compromise. So. The five tenets then of abolitionism are, I've come up with an acronym, and it's GATES, G-A-T-E-S, and that is gospel-centered, aligned providentially, through the church, engaged biblically, and sought immediately without exception or compromise. So that's kind of the, in a nutshell, in a very, very brief, you know, application of, of what we're saying with regard to abortion abolitionism. Maybe I'll just read a couple verses. Isaiah Isaiah 1, 16 and 17 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause, cease to do evil. That's the idea of abortion abolitionism. Um, Amos 5, 15 is another hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. We're saying with regard to all life from fertilization to natural death, how should we treat life? It's God created all life in his image. He owns all souls Jesus particularly owns all souls, and Colossians 1 tells us that all things, and especially those things that were the crown of creation, 
which is his image that was created on the sixth day, all things were created by Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus, and to him for his glory. And so from fertilization to natural death, all people are his and all souls are his. So that we should give them equal protection and justice under the law. That's the idea of abolitionism. So it definitely has the law component and the scripture component. So so not just God's law, but also needing the law of the land to be conformed to the righteous standard of God as well. Am I am I making a good understanding there as well? Connecting that? Yeah, that that's exactly right. So we you know we often go to Proverbs twenty four, um, Proverbs twenty four twelve. If you want to look there, I have it memorized, but I just want to make sure here. Proverbs twenty four eleven. Uh, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to slaughter. If you say we did not know this, does he who does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul? know it and will he not repay man according to his work when you look at uh, psalm 82 for example it says god has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment so some people see this as the heavenly beings in the divine council others would see it as those who are rulers on earth However you see it, it's still going to come down through the earthly rulers, Uh, whether it's through the heavenly being then to the earthly rulers or just directly to the earthly rulers. He says this in Psalm 82, too. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And then he says, Selah. And that Selah could be understood in, in a couple ways. Selah could mean now pause and think about what you just read or it could be a mechanism to repeat that that first line god has taken his place in the divine council what is that saying god is the ultimate judge and we know from matthew 28 ephesians uh, 1 and 2 and psalm 110 that jesus at after his death he rose from the grave and he ascended to the right hand of the father And Psalm 110 says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus was given all authority in heaven and on earth, and he commands that his authority be carried out in this world, not only by governing authorities, which he's put in place as his avengers uh, of justice, uh, those who are supposed to be a terror to evildoers and to promote those who do good, mm-hmm. but Jesus is the ultimate authority, and he has mediated his authority through human means, and if those human means don't perform justice and don't seek justice and give justice to the weak and the fatherless, then God is going to give a heavy judgment on them, and not just on them, but those who would stand idly by as injustices are happening. So for the church, if the church or any of us are standing idly by with apathy or complacency in our hearts towards those most innocent, vulnerable image bearers who are being slaughtered by the thousands and even 
150,000 every day in our world, God is going to hold us responsible. And that's that's been the, the, the thing that's really landed on me over the past couple of years. We're commanded to rescue the weak and the needy and to deliver the, them from the hand of the wicked. And like Isaiah 110 says, uh, woe to those who write iniquitous decrees. God is commanding us, the church, his own people, has given us the, the, the message of the gospel and his word to proclaim his truth. And the reason why it's, it's really continued on like it has, we have to look to the, the church first. Now, the church is Christ's bride, and she is beautiful because of the righteousness of Christ, because he has given us his own beauty. But that doesn't let us off the hook for not displaying his beauty in our lives, in our rescuing them, in our speech, in our prophetically proclaiming the word of Christ in every area and to every sphere, whether it starts in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our homes, in our churches, and then in the political sphere. I know I just ranted a little. And <laughs> when, I was just enjoying listening, man. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to come under the Lordship of Christ myself and seeking to be uh, conform my life to, to his word and his really his glory. I don't want to fall short of his glory. And I do daily. And, you know, there was a time where I was, um, pro-life and thought I was thought that my politicians were doing the best they could. And, but I was really apathetic and wasn't actively engaging in this. And, and once I started getting engaged by God's grace, uh, started to recognize things are just not what they seem. Yeah. I didn't have anything. I was just oh, agreeing. Okay. I, well, yeah, I okay, good. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned, so you mentioned that you, you labeled yourself pro-life, but yet felt maybe apathetic, thinking that your politicians were actually making the the desired movement for you. So maybe this is a good time to maybe clarify the some of the distinctives there. How how or where has the pro-life movement stalled and stalled or failed uh, so that so that you know you can maybe juxtapose that with what what your aim what the more what more the aim of an abolitionist idea and mindset would be does that make sense yeah sure um now i want to distinguish that there are maybe even the majority of pro-lifers mean well they're well intended um and i think probably most of them especially most who haven't been engaged in a political, on a political level for very long, we call some of these, you know, professional pro-lifers, the people who either work for pro-life agencies or entities or have been engaged politically. I think they're different than most of the people who are, who call themselves Christians, who don't like abortion, think that it's wrong. um, And, and maybe even, think it's heinous and maybe even would call it murder. There's just, um, there are different kinds of pro-life positions. Um, but fundamentally what pro-lifeism is, is secular. 
it's not biblical. So there are really abolitionists believe that Jesus is king over the universe. And his word is the, is the authority for all of life, every sphere. And what he, the way he wants to rule his world is by his word. And whether we get laws passed or not, ultimately, that's not our highest concern. Our highest concern is being obedient to King Jesus. We are commanded to obey him and teach what he says. And he says he, the results are up to him. Whether he is going to turn the hearts of a nation or turn the hearts of a state or turn the hearts of the Canadians, this is ultimately what he will do. He is sovereign over these things. But he uses human means through his word and not otherwise. Um, most most pro-lifers are taking a strategy that is being borrowed from worldliness. Most pro-life politicians uh, are looking for permission from the Supreme Court of the United States. So if you take this idea of the premise of primary authority, what's the premise of primary authority for pro-lifers and the premise of primary authority for abolition? Now, again, I want to be fair and say there are probably a lot of pro-lifers who would say, look, the premise of my primary authority is God's word. And if they will say that, then I, I affirm that with them and want to say yes and amen. Now let's work out what that really means. If that really means that the sixth commandment says you shall not murder, and we know that God brings forth life from conception and all lives are his, then any taking of life from conception or thereafter is murder. And so, like Lex Talionis or the law of retributive justice and um, that God gave to Noah in Genesis 9 says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is the covenant with for the preservation of life that if you take life, well, really what it's saying is there should be equal protection of life. The sixth commandment then says there are, there are prohibitions, what you must not do, and there are requirements, what you must do to protect life, what you must not do to endanger life or protect life. That's within the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. And so if the pro-lifer will say, yes, we must give equal justice or equal protection and justice to all lives from fertilization to natural death, then we're on the path to abolition. If you say, well, yes, that's murder. Therefore, anyone who murders life and they, it's a murder, then they must be criminalized according to God's word. Then that's justice. Then we're on the path to abolition, to abolishing, to cease doing evil um, and to give equal protection under the law. But that's not been the position of the pro-life industry for nearly the past 50 years. Since 1973, when Roe versus Wade, Wade, the opinion was given by the Supreme Court. So since then, the Supreme Court has been the supreme authority. We can't pass bills of abolition to cease doing evil, to outlaw it or ban it, 
Because why? Well, the Supreme Court has spoken. Like Scott Klusendorf would say, the Supreme Court spoke from on high. We can no longer change, no more change what they have done uh, as much as we can change gravity. Well, that's not what God's word says. The Supreme Court is wrong. They've been overturned over 300 times in the United States. Um, and they have, they're not God, number one. Um, wait, what? Are you, two, wait, really? Oh, my goodness. Man, we got to back up here. <laughs> okay. We got to back far <laughs> up. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. A simple amen will suffice. <laughs> amen. Yeah. But it's not as sarcastic as what we like to be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not God, and uh, we need to stop bowing to them as though they were and start to pass laws of abolition in every state. And and here's the thing. It's, to pass laws of abolition, really what we're saying is we need a move of repentance. We need a move of of revival and awakening to come back to what God's word says. We haven't been doing this. And really, this is what we're saying is, whether it's in the United States or in Canada or anywhere in the world, repent with us and align ourselves with God's word. Now, I could go down on some particulars with regard to the differences between abolition and, and pro-life, you know, um, but... I think it, it, it just it usually starts there. They they take a pragmatic look at the world and say, Well, what can we accomplish? And then they start trying to chop away like Russell Hunter from Free the States uh, has a really great illustration that pro lifers are trying to cut down cut off branches of this abortion tree. And on that tree there is, you know, uh, dilation and curatage abortions and uh, dilation and evacuation uh, abortions, and then there's chemical abortions, and they're saying, "Well, what can we get? How 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 much can we get back from Roe versus Wade?" The problem is, whenever with uh, with Casey versus Planned Parenthood, Casey versus Planned Parenthood said that you can't a woman, you can't. Um, let me just read it. No court may place an undue burden on a woman's right to abortion. No court can place an undue burden on a woman's right to abortion. So every incrementalist or pro-life bill submits to Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and they're just trying to chop away branches. And what God's word says, how do you deal with sin, like sin of murder? You cut it off at the root with the gospel. You repent. You cease to do that evil. So I, mean, I don't know if I want to get lost in the weeds as far as <laughs> what the what the goal of. So if the goal is, let's let's be clear. The goal of every Christian, every biblical Christian, should be the abolition of abortion, uh, emphatically. Mm-hmm. That that there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a wavering there. If you're a Christian that opens the Word of God and reads it uh, as the authority, as the authoritative Word of God, right? And and God is your sovereign, then there should be no question as to what God's desire for abortion is, and that is its its complete abolition, the ending of uh, of of the genocide of the unborn. Uh, mm-hmm. So if that's if that's the position, what what does that then? How does that then transfer? Um, so I'm, I'm, so here's basically what I'm getting is two things, What I'm, what I'm hearing, which is clear and obvious 
is the need for repentance. And that is, that is absolute. That is an absolute need. Um, as that repentance occurs, are we speaking of, is that more of an individual level or what is the aim? Is there an aim? Is there an aim to, to attack it from a legal perspective? Uh, or is this mostly that focused boots on the ground, uh, a sidewalk type ministry aim that, that you'd have with, with the, in the form of repentance? Is that, is that, is that a fair question? Sure. It's, it's a both end. I think I understand okay. what you're saying. So let's, let's apply it to slavery abolition. Mm-hmm. At the same time that you had the Wilberforces and, and others working to abolish abortion, you abolish slavery. From, I'm, I'm sorry, abolish slavery from a legal standpoint. Right. You also had people going and individuals going and try to rescue slaves. So Harriet Tubman would be one. Uh, and there's plenty of others. The Underground Rail, Railroad would be a more organizational standpoint, even though it was underground. It was they were they were organizing. It was certainly organized. Yep. But, but then you had individuals who were going and buying slaves off the slave block and freeing them. Mm-hmm. So there's individual action, which is the personal sphere. Let's think of, of, of Kuiper's sphere sovereignty yep. and what repentance looks like along the spheres. Me personally. Uh, I have a responsibility to go and and stand up and and speak out for my neighbors. If I was being slaughtered in my mother's womb or led to the slaughter in my mother's womb, what would I want someone to do for me? Or if I was, um, you know, it's this is another topic, but uh, Laura Clausen has has spoken on this, and I just recently did a. Uh, uh, gave a message on IVF in vitro fertilization. If I was being frozen, I was an embryo and I was being frozen for years or being discarded because I was unwanted. How would I want someone to treat me my, as, as an embryonic neighbor? Um, so in the individual sphere sphere, it could mean going and talking to my pastor and saying, uh, pastor, those look in your sphere. Who are the people around you? Uh, pastor, are, are we taking a position of abolition, which is gospel centered and, and it's aligned providentially and it's through the church and it's engaged biblically and sought immediately without exception or compromise? Or are we taking a pro-life position and then give him some resources? I start talking to my friends and my family and I start leading my own family in that sense to say, how would God, uh, what would it look like for us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance? I held an erroneous view, and now by God's grace, I'm seeing the truth from God's word, and he is causing this. What does it look like to bear fruit? Now, that also could mean going to uh, abortion mills and preaching the gospel and pleading with those mothers not to slaughter their own children and provide real help. It could mean that I get involved with organizations like free the States or like rescue those and uh, help them or even fund them and help in their work to pass bills of abolition around the States. Um, you know, apologia with end abortion. Now they're doing this as well. Uh, Laura Clausen is, is starting to, to do this as well. So 
really the question becomes my personal sphere and then in my church, the ecclesiastical sphere, and then in the political sphere. And you, you can, I bring commerce under family. What does it look like for me to obey? And absolutely, it's all of those, but each of us is going to be given a different measure of uh, responsibility in each one of those spheres. Right. Okay. I, I, that was that was pretty clear. Yeah, that was great. We're all down for the sphere of sovereignty here. Yeah, we're, we're all about it. It's so That's funny, good. but I just wanted to like launch into the Supreme Court when you started talking about it. They are the the unelected bo- unelected body. They are the weakest branch of government. Why they have uh-huh. have uh, just absorbed this immense amount of of uh, they they almost have the legislative and the executive and the judicial power. I don't know how this has happened. <laughs> Nobody votes for them, <laughs> right? Nobody. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> But we were warned that this, is, that this was going to happen. You know, our founding fathers yep. warned us that we would have an unelected court who would become uh, supreme rulers over us if we weren't careful. And that's why they put in the balance of powers. But, you know, largely it comes back to our Christians stepping into these spheres and speaking with a unified, principled, prophetic voice from God's word and saying, Here's what God's word says. If you align yourself with God's word, then things will go well with you and with us. If you do not align yourself with God's word, we must interpose. We must stand in the gap here between those against whom you're committing acts of injustice and you. We've got to step in here. And that's what the abolitionist movement is also doing. We're we're interposing, whether that's at the gates of hell, at the, the abortion mills, or uh, from the pulpits, uh, or going to the Capitol and telling our governing authorities, God commands that you write laws of justice. And if you don't, he will hold you to account, whether it's today, tomorrow, or in days to come, or on the final day of judgment, he is going to hold you to account. And it's a grace to you that I'm here telling you, I don't tell you this because I'm righteous and of myself. Right. I am telling you this because you, while, while it's still called today, have an opportunity to receive the grace of God, to turn and repent of your wicked ways that are, that are, you're actually writing laws to murder babies here. So turn and stop doing that. And in every state, brothers, in every state in the United States and in Canada, at least for the last 50 years, there has been zero, zero laws that have been written that bring about full justice, true justice, and equal protection for the preborn. So everyone, there is not a single governing authority uh, except some who have repented and have pushed bills of abolition. But there's not a single governing authority that shouldn't say, I repent. I turn from the wickedness of my ways, from writing iniquitous decrees, according to Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 10, 1. And uh, I, I turn from those things and start writing laws of justice. Hmm. So this really, I mean, like, look at Canada. Canada is having so many problems uh, with, with religious, really, persecution and and freedom of speech and mm. uh freedom to of conscience 
over various matters. What needs to happen there? Repentance. Why are they in the situation they're in? Well, judgment always comes to the church first. And if you look at it in first Peter, the judgment that comes to the church first comes to the elders. Mm -hmm. That's who it's coming to. Why? Why is that what's happening? Well, government is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from the church. The church largely creates the culture and the church is downstream from the pulpit. Hmm. And if you see a government that's godless, it's because our pulpits turned many years ago. You know, Francis Schaeffer said, and this is particularly regarding uh, abortion. He says, uh, and most people have probably heard this quote, but every abortion mill should have a, a sign over it that says, open by permission of the church. Um, and, you know, Canada closing all these churches now, now, you know, with regard to sexuality, why are we here? Well, because the church didn't speak the word of God regarding sexuality Mm. and we didn't hold firm. We, we bowed to the philosophies of this age. And so now we're seeing the fruit of it. If you don't stand the hardest ground to, to gain back is the crown that you gave up, you know, that you lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't because Christ is glorified even while uh, we might be taken taken into captivity for yep. getting what we deserve. That's correct. It's funny because you're so right. It, whenever you will speak to a, a faithful pastor that has stood against – the magistrates ruling unrighteously, and it doesn't matter where it is, whether you're speaking with a pastor uh, in Canada, as we've had the fortune fortune to do, or whether you're speaking with uh, one of those pastors that is serving faithfully in Europe, or these places that we look at as the Western world, where we think of uh, liberty as having the opportunity in these places. But when you speak to a faithful, biblical, Christ-honoring pastor— uh, they will in these places that have that have seen governance become so um, just overtly uh, worldly and secular. Uh, you'll find you'll find them to say that well, the problem is most of the churches, most of the other other churches are are simply going along with that secular view, that that worldly philosophy, and so it's not it's not just the government. The the church has already gone into that worldly vein and and they live there and so they the, the pulpit is actually it's it's promulgating the same ideas that are present in the the unrighteous governing authorities uh it's 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 consistent in, a, in every conversation that I know we've had um the, the the faithful churches often stand alone in opposition to the unrighteous rulers because the unrighteous rulers themselves are being fueled by the majority of the other churches mm. who are automatically, by, by their fueling of the unrighteous ruler, are fueling unrighteousness. Yeah. So, so yeah, what you're saying about, is like right there. Think about, about this. The reality is that the, the governing authorities that, are, that call themselves Christian are probably going to these churches— and they are taking the Lord's Supper on a reg, well, maybe not on a regular basis, but they're taking the Lord's Supper 
and no one is barring them from the table for their for their lawless deeds, for their rejection of the lordship of Christ. No one is holding them to account, tell, telling them, you must repent for this. And if you will not, we're not going to give you what identifies you as being in the new covenant. We're not going to give it to you any longer. You don't identify yourself with Christ because you're not proving that you love the Lord Jesus and by obeying him. So how many of these legislators are not ever being checked, but taking the Lord's Supper in these churches? And until that changes, whether it's in Canada or the United States, until that changes, we're not going to see a mass repentance. Now, God, you don't want to limit God or hinder him. He he might uh, bring around a mass, very rapid revival. But the normal and natural work of the Holy Spirit in both of your lives and in my life is to convict us of sin and call us to repentance. And then we turn and it's typically something I I need to go apologize for saying this to my wife. I need to go do this. And then it starts to grow and grow and grow. And we're changed from one degree of glory to the next. Right. And we're seeing his grace bear more and more fruit Fruit. as we grow in grace. Mm -hmm. So what it's probably going to take is a whole lot of churches like James Coates and the Grace Life uh, Network of Churches and others. There's plenty of others. I'm now friends with several uh, Canadian pastors that are standing up in the face of these of this tyranny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some there's there's a lot in the United States due to um, you know thankfully we have social media that we're able to get this, these messages out. Yep. But. What it's going to take is a lot of people bearing fruit in keeping with that repentance. And when you start to see governing authorities, like in Oklahoma, being told, you can't have the Lord's Supper, uh, you need to repent. And if you don't, we're going to give you a few weeks to, to repent. If you don't, we're going to excommunicate you. And we're going to, and if you go up and tell everybody you're Christian, we're going to have to say, well, he departed from us. We don't know him. Hmm. When those kinds of things start to happen, there, what you're seeing is the result of, of the spirit moving and bringing about repentance. But because he's judged us first, right? You know, we're the right. ones who had to start. Yeah, that's that, so, it's our fault. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's my fault. It's a fantastic flow um, from from the pulpits to the churches to um, to the culture. Um, and then to the government. That, that was that's a that was actually like a, a really wonderful way to lay that out. It was very insightful, very insightful because it, it always starts with us, right? I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, well, I heard it from someone. You know, I think Cornelius, Cornelius Van Til said something similar to that. Um, so there's a lot of guys. I wasn't going to trademark it with your name on it, I. <laughs> but but I, I really appreciate I, I appreciate you sharing that insight. Um, it was it was it was very well repackaged because Van Til said a lot of things and boy trying to pick through all of that <laughs> and here it is right here now on the podcast. <laughs> Man, I can you uh, when he said that when he said that about the Oklahoma governing bodies like can you imagine can you imagine someone 
Can you imagine someone in New Jersey actually caring whether was, or not they whether or not they? I was just saying, I must be, I'm just glad that some that that there's there's actually governing authorities in Oklahoma that go to church. I just that's great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're in California East over crazy, here in New Jersey. What's crazy is in Oklahoma, we're the most conservative uh, state in the union by voting record. I think in the last I don't know four or five, maybe even more presidential elections, not a single vote has gone, not a single district. Not a not not vote, but not a single district has gone to a Democrat candidate uh, for president. Uh, We have a Republican supermajority. They're they're predominantly pro-life. You know who is the last four years, at least, who has been killing bills of abolition that say abortion is murder. We need to criminalize it, give equal protection to all lives. That's largely it. Put it in the homicide codes and let's let's move forward. It's not the Democrats. It's not the uh, pro-choicers that are killing it. It's the super majority. We have over 78%, I think, Republican vote. And every time a pro-life bill is brought up that's that's trying to whittle away at that tree that then still bows to Casey versus Planned Parenthood uh, that doesn't put any undue on a woman and her right to to murder her child, every time a pro-life bill is put forward, it passes flying colors i think there were five or six last year but they killed bills of abolition they wouldn't even let them into committee they killed it uh and tabled it uh this last year they they voted it down immediately and these are this is pro-life republicans who are who are writing laws that say when where and how you can murder children that's pro-life yeah it, it doesn't regulate we're warring against regulationism and gradualism that says we'll incrementally, slowly, by degree, knock this out. And what that means is over the last 50 years and in taking incremental changes, it's result in 63 million plus indictments against us that we listen to the world and to the demonic strategies rather than our Lord who says all authority has been given to me. Now you go and see my enemies become my footstool. Get out there and dominionize my world with the gospel and with my word and footstool the enemies. But we're saying, no, the enemies are going to footstool our preborn neighbors. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, it's it's really convicting. <laughs> I like I like Dusty's passion bubble when it gets close to the service. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. I really resonate with that. I like that. You do. <laughs> you and your passion bubbles. Um so so let's let's I mean, you know, I've 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 done a little bit of research like like I mentioned uh before we before we hopped on. Um so for like for the average um American Christian um you know cl- claims pro-life um, has been involved in, you know, d- different things, uh, donating to pregnancy centers, you know, even, even going to, um, abortion mills or, or what have you. Um, but, but you're, uh, there seems to be a clear line drawn between pro-life and abolition. Is there something, um, like, what do you say to someone who's pro-life to get them to consider the differences between abolition and pro-life or, or how, how do you enter into or engage that person in conversation? Um, you know, as, as someone who, excuse me, um, like our, our parents, uh, my dad was actually on the board of a crisis pregnancy center for, for many years. My mom worked as a counselor there. Um, just a, a fantastic, excuse me, fantastic ministry, um, that a coalition of churches have gathered, um, to do in our area. 
Um, but like, so what, what would you say, um, how would you pitch abolition to it and an average, um, pro pro life Christian who, who thinks abortion should be wrong, but is, is fine with an incrementalist approach. What do you say to that person? Yeah, I've had a lot of family members who were there. I was there. I mean, probably all of us were there at one point and the Lord just, he uses different things, um, uh, for different folks, but typically I, I will start with, are you a Christian? And if they're a Christian, then what they're saying is, well, God's word is my rule for my life. It's sufficient for everything to, for life and godliness. If that's true, then is, does God create life from the womb, from fertilization? Yes. Okay. If he, if all lives are God's, then to take any life after fertilization is murder, correct? Yes. Therefore, justice, God has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does he require of you? Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. It's just then to give that baby the same amount of protection as you would me, a 44-year-old man. If, if. If I was being led to the slaughter, what would you do for me? If, Jesse, you were being led to the slaughter, what would you want me to do for you? You would want me to say, at least to speak up, probably want me to to risk my life for your sake, because isn't that what Jesus did? Hmm. He laid down his life for me. He came and rescued me, not just in word, but in deed. And he would he he protects us from the punishment that we deserve from God by interposing his own precious blood in our place. So we must give equal protection to that life in the womb, just as much as I give you, Jesse, or anyone else. And if we don't, we have just used unequal weights and measures, and God hates Whenever we show partiality to some, to the, to the destruction of others, mm-hmm. so should we give, uh, you know, and that, then it turns into, um, are you saying criminalize mothers? I thought a mother was a victim. And then you know, there's a lot of emotional uh, conversations that can be had there. Most, most people who haven't been to abortion mills, think that the majority of these women are young girls who have been raped or had incest by a father or a family member or their sex trafficked or something like that. And so I invite people to come to the abortion mill with me. I've invited several legislators to come to the abortion mill and just see if that's true. Number one, is it true that most of these women are victims, that they are being coerced or forced to go and abort their children, uh, threatened with life and limb? And I can tell you, it's extremely rare that that's actually the case. Um, and even for those girls that are they're raped, should we, uh, I got into an argument with, um, well, a discussion, he was arguing with me, but I, I was not angry. Uh, with a security guard at the Planned Parenthood on 23rd Street in Oklahoma City that's 
just a revolving door. And the security guard was saying, well, what about those women who are raped? I said, well, would you, you, you know, you're, he was an off-duty police officer. Um, is there ever a crime that you punish the parents or punish the child for what the parents have done? And he was like, well, that, you know, he tried to wiggle out of it, but that's in essence what we're saying. Rape, incest, uh, these, these things are, you know, they're used and thrown around regularly, but that's really not the common case. Come out to the abortion mill. These women are saying, I'm going to eat my baby. Uh, they pull up with their own children in the back seats and say, I've had several, I'm going to have more. And they know what this is. You know, um, we try to convince and plead with these women and provide all the help in the world. And it's, there are saves because the church is out there. God is graciously working to save lives. We saw um, two one day last week uh, at that same Planned Parenthood in Oklahoma City on the same day. We, I think we had three that whole week uh, there. Um, but it's just n- not true that n- not even it's, it's an extremely very small percentage of women are actually victims. Now they're being fed lies, but if our laws, um, there's a, there's a lady that's pursuing membership at our church and she was in our documentary called a storm comes rolling down the plane. Her name's Heather Fry. She committed an abortion, murdered one of her children when she was 20 years old, I think. 20 or 21. And she says, if the laws would have been that it would have, that it was murder that criminalized to murder your child, that abortion was murder. Then she said, I would not have gone because the law would have taught me what's mm. righteous. Isn't that what, what God's mm. law teaches us? Yeah. It teaches us. It's a tutor. It teaches us what, what God would have us do. Um, that we have a need for Christ. And if our laws were, we would criminalize abortion, we would be teaching these women that it's not okay to go out and murder your children at 20 weeks or less, or after they, before they have a heartbeat. You know, we have women walk up to abortion mills and say, it's not, it's just a clump of cells. Well, and it's okay for me to murder my baby before 20 weeks. Well, why? Well, because the law is telling me that. You know, we're tutoring people to, yeah. to murder their own children. It's, so uh, I, I know that that probably wasn't a great uh, concise answer, but I would say um, if you believe that it's murder, then what is it to give equal protection to that child to love that neighbor as you love yourself? And then that means to criminalize it. And so we must pass laws that reflect what God says is just. And then let's go to the abortion mill and then let's go talk to your legislator and see if that's what they want to do too. Yeah. That's uh, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think any of those conversations would be concise. So I don't think there's a way to answer that question in a way that makes it uh, concise because the conversation itself is not going to be a concise conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a messy conversation like your right. knowledge. I mean, it's, there's so much emotion, even, even for someone who would never commit an abortion. I, I find that, the conversation itself just becomes emotional, uh, r- regardless. I mean, we're we're dealing with something very precious and very important. So, it's- you know, one of the things that people I think people have concern with. I talked with a pastor. We went to the Southern Baptist Convention this past summer, and we passed the resolution on abolishing abortion. Um, and it was a historic um, moment and historic resolution. 
But one of the pastors, uh, he said, look, man, I can go so far with you, but I get to the place where I'm just really concerned that the church is supposed to give grace to these women, that we're supposed to minister to these women who, even though they, they murder their child, like by, by criminalizing abortion, are we saying there's no grace for you? And I, I encouraged him along the lines of, brother, God's do not say that what God says is without grace. What God says is full of truth and full of grace. To say that, well, we want to minister grace to them is to say, well, you want to minister grace to those women, but not to those babies. To, to minister grace to the women and to the babies is that the truth would equally stand for that woman and for the baby. And that truth would be justice, one measure of justice. So the law should say, you shall not murder. And if you murder, you will be punished as a murderer. The church can come in and say, after those people have murdered, though your sins be many, they can be white as snow because Christ died for murderers. He took the wrath of God that murderers deserve. And he nailed it to his cross. That record of murder that stood against you and all your other sins of adultery, of not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he nailed it to the cross. And he died and he rose from the grave. He now sits at the right hand of the Father and he pleads his blood over you. Should you repent? So the church, the church is not the government, but the church must stand for justice and tell those governing authorities, you must protect all lives as God demands. And then the church can come in and preach the gospel to those women who know that they're murderers. If we don't tell them, if we, if we tell them that they're victims, well, then we don't have a gospel to present them because they've done nothing wrong. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's, um, (laughs) we, as the church have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's why the Mm -hmm. government has been given the sword for righteousness. Um, That's right. We're, we're not, we're not to be, we're not to be on on Sunday mornings carrying out executions. Uh, that's not our role. Uh, we are to come alongside the government in righteousness and affirm it, and and still offer the grace and truth that God saves. God saves. God saves me. Right? Then God can save. God God can save anyone. That 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 blood can cover all sin. There's no there's no reason uh, uh, to not carry the ministry of reconciliation into a room that is filled with the justice of righteousness. That's where it belongs. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a very clear picture. It's a very clear understanding. I, I think that was, that was well said. I, I have another I have another question. Oh, I'm, no. I know you're cooking on one. No, no, go ahead. I, oh. I, 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 you're doing great. Oh, oh, okay. Well, thank you. You are too. You look great. Sassy looks great. He's stop it. It's great. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so for, you know, I, you, you mentioned how, how, pro-life uh politicians are undermining um you know what what is it is supposed to be the pro-life cause or the i guess the pro-life end goal which would be to abolish abortion at some point right or at least that's how i always thought of it i always thought of these incremental bills like okay past 16 weeks all right on to eight and until you get to zero um you know it's kind of how 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 i used to think um when uh, i read cr Cali's book um right i believe it was uh with the doctrine of balaam i believe he wrote. Yep. Um, and he he went through um, several different states. I think he used Texas as as an example of several different pieces of legislation um, 
where where he he really actually I think quite well um, kind of showed how how these pro life bills tend to undermine what they're actually supposed to be doing um, as far as actually limiting or actually helping. Um, uh, I, I think I think at least some of them were kind of purported as almost like a saving face type piece of just blah legislation. Um, now for for um, and and you've you've kind of mentioned how how the the, the pro life politicians in Oklahoma have kind of you know kind of struck down abolition ab- abolition bills in a state where abolition should be qu- quite likely to actually you know be implemented. Um, now we live in New Jersey. Um, it is uh, the black hole of morality um, <laughs> up here in the Northeast. Um, we really try to fight California for it. We go back and forth. <laughs> we, it's, a, it's a tit for tat. <laughs> They're just bigger. I mean, they've got... Yeah, they have more resources than we do, but we're, we have more people almost. Per, per square well, mile. Per square, per square mile, people. we are the most densely populated yeah, state. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so, but like in a, so in a state like ours, the abolition movement is, it, it feels like a hard sell because, you know, when, when we think of all of the political obstacles to actually achieving abolition, we can't even get, we can barely even get our governor to consider not signing, um, you know, legislation that would allow up to the third trimester and, you know, almost beyond. So, I mean, it, from from in our state, it almost seems like the pragmatic approach is highly unlikely. But I mean, if it was either pragmatic incrementalism or uh, abolition, I mean, only incrementalism could ever possibly work in our in our state. How how would you how would you help um, us in in our situation here in such a heavily um, uh, pro death state? Um, how do you encourage someone to be an abolition when it seems just so unlikely? For that yeah. goal to ever be achieved. Yeah. So when Jesus came and started his public ministry, you see in Mark, Mark 1, Mark 1, 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Do your best and get whatever you can in the face of wicked, lawless legislators is that what it says <laughs> maybe uh, that was what he meant but no. <laughs> <laughs> just do your best guys right. i know that i'm not on my throne and the father ha- doesn't have a decreed will for all time just just get what you can hmm. oh he says repent and believe in the gospel what we're saying is pro-lifeism is pragmatism it's we're just going to get what we can uh, accomplish what we can while we while we have the opportunities and we're going to inch by inch move the culture to where maybe they'll think it'll come to a place where it's unthinkable i would love for it to be unthinkable because what that means is there has been such a massive move of repentance that righteousness is reigning throughout all the land now you know, I have a I have a eschatology of of um, optimism, and I think that that that's going to happen. But what God commands is for these people to do justice, to rescue those who are being led to slaughter, to cease doing evil now. Not well. Let's work with Satan to get a little bit back from Satan where we can and how we can, and maybe we'll cajole him into 
giving us some here and maybe he'll take some here. No, Jesus says, repent. He also, and he says that because if, if you remember, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Colossians 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, there used to be a um, general electric power company. That's, <laughs> that's the acronym I grew up uh, using nice. Colossians. Oh, very nice. I get it now. So it took me a second yeah, there. No, I yeah, totally yeah. got lost. I get like, yeah. Galatians. If, I, yep. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Okay. One sixteen. for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. Now this is visible or invisible. Yep. Whether we see them as a prime minister or a premier or a president or a mayor or a county commissioner or you name it, or an imam or whoever, visible and invisible in the unseen realm, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. So we don't come with our hat in our hand to these sub-rulers sub to Christ and say, hey guys, just give us what, give us what you can. No, we come and say, here's the message from your ruler. My, your Lord says to my Lord, or the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Christ has all authority. You must bow to him. Now, should we, uh, incrementalism takes this approach. says, well, maybe we can do some evil that good may abound. We're going to let some people, some of these children be murdered so that we can save some others. Now, is that a strategy that God promotes in his word, that we should allow some evil so that some good may come? Well, that's a direct violation of the sixth commandment. You cannot, you must not allow any any evil, no matter if it's it uh, uh, saves some lives. It's going to cost the others. Uh, but Romans 3, 8 says this, and why not do evil that good may come? And Paul thinks this is such an abominable idea that he won't even, he doesn't even give the answer. He says, as some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. So what would, what would the apostle Paul say to those people who say, well, look, we're in a really, um, we're in a really democratic liberal state and even to have one person say they're pro-life is really a stretch or, can we just find one righteous man in the city? Hmm. You know, Paul would say, well, if we can, if, if, if I went to him and said, but look, can we just maybe pass a partial birth abortion ban? Can we just at least get there? Paul would say, so you want to do allow evil so that good may come. Your condemnation is just, you're condemned for even thinking that. Hmm. So because really what it's saying is, Jesus isn't on his throne. He can't accomplish what he says he will. So I'm going to have to do this on my own terms. Right. No, I, I, I think we fully agree with that. We were hoping that you'd give us a, a magic wand, though. So thanks a lot for not giving us that. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> really was hoping we could have a red wave over here, but whatever. No, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, uh, well, the red wave is a bunch of you guys going to your capital and preaching woes, and the gospel. Here's the bad news, but here's the good news. And go to your capitals and go to your churches and you, duty is yours. Results belong to God. Yeah. Uh, William Garrison 
said this, that gradualism in theory is perpetuity in practice. Mm. I'm telling you guys, what these pro-lifers in the legislative positions are doing is perpetuity. They're delaying abolitionism. For what reason? They have the votes. Like in Oklahoma, we have the votes. In Texas, they have the votes. They can pass a, a heartbeat bill that is wicked and abominable. They can pass a heartbeat bill. They can pass an abolition bill. They don't want to. It's kind of like the West India Company. They loved and pushed for slavery regulations because they could bring about a monopolization. They could cut off all the independence. They could, they had the money, they had the infrastructure to be able to fulfill all the regulatory requirements and squeeze everybody else out and then them grow at the same time that all these regulations come in. That's what hap- is happening with Planned Parenthood. You know, these independents are being pinched out because they don't have some of the finances and the money. Well, every time a pro-life bill passes, most of them end up getting struck down by the courts because again, Casey, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, but also they use this as a perpetual fundraiser and they're getting money hand over fist, not only the pro-aborts, but the pro-lifers get use it as fundraising too. And if we abolish abortion, a lot of funding is going to dry up. They don't want to. Hmm. I'm telling you, I, I have spoken with so many legislators, and especially ones in Oklahoma that call themselves Christians. They don't want to. If they wanted to, they would do it. They're, they're cowards. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. They fear men more than they fear God. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the problem. That is definitely 100% true. It's funny because I, I just one of the uh one of the most just an interesting i listen to a lot of podcasts i i drive for so i drive for ups i'm a ups i drive those brown trucks um and I, so I is lot, santa claus <laughs> that's correct santa wears brown i i spent a lot of time I, i'm able to listen to a ton of media um and it was literally it was this month last year uh lila rose from live action was on dan crenshaw's podcast we the people and uh, I, I, I very much uh, love Dan Crenshaw as as a politician. Um, I appreciate what he tries to communicate to a, a large number of people. Um, but it was so interesting to have someone like Lila Rose, who I've always, I, I always have have appreciated uh, her zeal, but I've always felt like she could be much more direct. It was probably the first time I heard her pushing back in what should have been you know, a, a friendly pro-life room, right? It should have been a, a friendly pro-life Republican um, communicating with a, a pro-life woman that runs a pro-life organization. And I found it interesting. She's, she's saying, why 12 weeks, Dan, if, if it's a, if it's a life, why can we kill it then? And, and, and not at 11 weeks. Or, or why? So, and here, 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 she was suddenly pushing back, and I was seeing, I was seeing Representative Crenshaw almost kerfaw it, just, just guffaw at, at. Oh, that's 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 crazy. What what are you what are you saying that we shouldn't have a, almost like what are you saying that we shouldn't have abortion altogether? And that's exactly what Lila, Lila Rose was saying. No, if it's if it's a baby at all, we don't kill it. Like it doesn't matter. You don't put a a, a, a fake line in the sand 
and say, well, all right, you can kill it up to here, but not after. Why? Um, and that was it was such a it was such an interesting from someone who I actually I actually do find to have a lot of other very clear what I would actually call conservative, not just Republican, but conservative ideas here. There's a disconnect. There's a there's a, a, a just a worldly ideology, a a, a God hating ideology that is that is so taken hold um, that that it's it's almost ridiculous to think that we would end abortion. But but yep. if you're going to hold to the righteous standard, there's no reason to not end abortion, and and we should stop making false false lines where we can we can hate God on this side of the line, but over here we'll we'll uphold God on this side of the line. Uh, it's it's yep. it's so it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, that was that was just yeah, interesting. Well, it made me think of that as you're talking. Like, why why yeah, why I, can you kill I would it here? like to say. Uh, maybe a couple more things about this applies not just to, to abortion, but it could apply to everything that's going on in Canada or wherever, whenever it comes to pragmatism. Uh, we are only permitted by God to take a strategy, whether it's to rescue the preborn or otherwise, that would be worthy of and in alignment with the everlasting dominion of Christ and his kingdom. That's Daniel 4.34 says that um, it's his kingdom endures from generation to generation. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is. That's the kind of strategy that we must uh, pursue. And so what that means is there is any strategy that our king would not approve of or implement is not worthy of our lives. So don't waste your lives on worldly sub-Christian strategies. We do not want just a little bit better of a worldly kingdom. That's not what we're pursuing. We're pursuing and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to us. We are to fight the Lord's battles with the Lord's weapons and trust him to bring the victory. We walk over the hill. And the enemies are laid asunder hmm. because God fought for us. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. This Amen. is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle against principalities, powers, and rulers of the air. And it's got to be a battle with the gospel and one that affirms and upholds God's word and does not tamper with it. Hmm. Uh, like Second Corinthians 4, uh, 2, 2 through 4 says. We must renounce those disgraceful and underhanded ways. That's what pragmatism is. I don't care if you're living in North Korea. You, if God tells you, you need to get up and go speak to Kim Jong-un. It's going to cost you your life. You must not negotiate with God on what you're going to say to him. Now, what if you live in New Jersey? What if you live in Canada? If God has put that conviction on your heart and he has called you for such a time as this, oh, Esther, then get yourself up and trust him. You might be afraid, but fear the Lord more than you fear man. And he, Jesus promised that he is going to bring us before those kinds of people. And he says, don't worry about what you're going to say. 
I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you the word. He's going to speak for you. So we don't use flesh and blood weapons for our warfare. We don't use puny, pragmatic worldliness to engage a spiritual enemy. You know, we must give open statements of the truth to the conscience and let God do what he is going to do there. So we unapologetically stand on the word of God as our final authority when we call things like abortion murder and we demand equal or we demand justice and equal protection for all lives which out without showing partiality that god hates well amen to that amen yeah <laughs> maybe to maybe to bring a, a a good a good practical point for our discussion what what are some ways or resources um that that both the person and the church can be involved in in the abolition of abortion like like some first steps, some movements um, that we can practically take. Yeah. So I can tell you some of the most helpful things that I've done. Uh, now, there's a lot of resources out there by God's grace, but there needs to be more. But I would say look at Free the States, freethestates.com. Uh, they're being banned by uh, T-Mobile won't let you text their links back and forth right now. They're being shadow banned, wow. uh, which is pretty strange we just found that out this week look at free the states they're going they are they are the really the standard bearer uh the modern abolition movement applied to abortion was started in norman oklahoma in 2010 11 and so start there and uh those guys are are really the standard bearers right now um and they have a podcast, a Liberator podcast. I would watch it, download it uh, weekly. Um, you can go to rescuethose.com, Brett Baggett and I. Uh, and then we have several others uh, who are putting materials up there. Um, and there are some talks that are available there. Um, you've got to read C.R. Cowley's book, The Doctrine of Balaam. Uh, you already brought that up. Um I mean, Apologia is doing good work. End abortion now, Jeff Durbin. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've you've got to. There's a, there's a group on uh, Facebook that if you'll reach out to me, if you, I, if people want to reach out to me, I could start giving some links and some resources. But um, we can the abolitionist movement is really well connected um, and there are regularly new states that are coming on board whether it's for bills of abolition or trying to promote uh, abolitionism in their denominations resolutions or or in their churches or wherever um, so there's some real good connectivity but I would say do your research prepare yourself and but at the same same time, go. And what that going means is you should go with another person, go out two by two, go to an abortion mill, try to find someone who's already going there who would who would be an abolitionist. And if you don't know anybody, reach out reach out to me and I can probably pretty quickly at least connect you with someone who's near you mm-hmm. um, so that you can 
start participating in the fellowship and asking a lot of questions because there's just a lot of questions that come up. What about ectopic pregnancies? What about these emergency pregnancies? What about um, the life of the mother exception? What about, uh, you, you know, my politician says that he can't do it. What do I say to him? Well, one of the things that we're trying to do in Oklahoma is we want to see every mill covered every day by churches. So we want to see mill ministries at churches, mill ministry teams at, at churches. The more and more, if the church is there, babies are being saved. The second thing is we're raising up ministry teams. You can go to Liberty Rising. Uh, they are, that's Senator Joseph Silk. Uh, he has started a, a um, nonprofit called Liberty Rising Institute. And let me, let me see about the, uh, the website. Yeah, it's liberty-rising.org. Senator Joseph Silk, you can reach out to him and he will help uh, folks know what to say to their legislators, what legislators are actually taking action and would be willing to write bills of, of abolition. If you're a, a legislator who is really concerned uh, about the way things are going and you've maybe been convicted in your conscience and want to start walking down this road of repentance with us, then reach out to me and I can connect you to Senator Silk. Um, we want to see churches bring up ministry teams where they're going and speaking with their legislators and telling them, here's what God's word says. And if you uh, obey what God's word says in this matter, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be your, your, your biggest fans. But if you won't, we're going to tell you what God's word says because his word is our rule for life. Yeah, and it's so, it's way more important than any words we could possibly be speaking to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, there we have a so free the states has a booklet called "Are You an Abolitionist?" that has they've they've sent out over thirty five thousand copies since last year. Um, you can go to uh, Southern Baptists Abolishing Abortion dot com. And you'll see the resolution that that uh, I was uh, able to participate in, in in writing. And it's a good, solid statement. Uh, RescueThose.com, we have a booklet that we've put out that um, is on what must I do to rescue my preborn neighbors. And uh, it's very helpful. And it's got a statement in there, even a, a, a doctrinal addendum. For your for your church's doctrinal statement mm. that you could adopt on abolishing abortion, um, I'm working on a booklet for on IVF in vitro fertilization and um, the ethics and un, and unethics of it, uh, and hopefully that will be out soon. There's a there's um, there's a conference this oh yeah February eighth and 9th, well February sixth through the night in Oklahoma City. There's a conference called the Abolition Now Conference. Really, that's the pinnacle conference every year. That's the one to be at if you're just coming into this movement. Come there, and on February uh, 8th, we will be at the Capitol, and we'll be giving some speeches. We'll be going door-to-door uh, -to, -door to all the legislators' offices, um, imploring them to sign on or author or support a bill of abolition. Hmm. 
that's the one to be at. I'm telling you guys, everybody needs to make plans to come to Oklahoma City February 6th through the 9th, and it will be the most, uh, most, um, it will fill you up with uh, with teaching and with fellowship. The fellowship is really what, uh, it's a very unique group of people, uh, all different kinds of denomination denominations and walks of life. And they're an extremely fruitful lot of people. Mm. So I would encourage you guys to come there. It'd be a great place to have a podcast too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know Rachel, uh, our friend Rachel messaged us. She's Just like, Oh my gosh, you should come. In. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we should. And I texted Justin. I'm like, Oh my gosh, February is less than a month away. <laughs> I'm like, uh. But I know that it exists now. And that's, that we that's had no I'm idea. Doing. Now that we do, <laughs> The ra- the radar has it, it's beeping on the radar every time the little circly thing goes around the radar. It's like beep, beep. <laughs> probably has a name. Do you think it has a name? That little circly thing? No idea. Not even attempting it's that. It's probably pretty cheap to fly to Oklahoma City too. It's got to be right now, right? I mean, yeah. If your flight doesn't get canceled, that's the real problems right now with flights. You know, with not enough pilots and stuff, and yeah, COVID and stuff. <laughs> no, that which must not be named. <laughs> Don't say it. Um, yes. You're going to get banned yourself. Uh, yeah. Man. yeah. Uh, I love... It is what it is. I love it. how many resources you rattled off. Uh, that is tremendous. <laughs> we, we're, we're furiously typing. We're trying to keep up. We, I think I think we got them all. That's great. Yeah. Um, for, for our Canadian listeners, I know, I know Laura is with uh, Abort... Or Choice 42, rather, right? Uh, they're up in Canada, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I right. think I think she did a uh, I did a conference with uh, our friend Aaron Rock um, over at uh, Harvest Bible in Ontario. So uh, that was pretty. Can I give you guys one more? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I overlooked it, and it's a stormcomesrolling.com. Yeah. And that is the documentary that uh, I was able to write the script for, and kind of and a brainchild, an idea I had one afternoon. And wrote the script and uh, or at least wrote the storyline. And then it was it's a provincial story on how it all came about. But I called Brett Baggett and then he said, yes, we've got to do this. And then we met a filmmaker at an abortion mill. We're like, well, we've got to have somebody. And we're like, well, what about that guy? He had a nice camera. And we <laughs> called, look, man, really don't know if this is something you're interested in or if you're even any good. But we're, we're kind of rolling with Providence here. And, and he said, uh, you know, I've been praying that God would uh, give me the opportunity to be to, to put out the first abolitionist documentary. And so, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And he's great. Nathan Weiser with Bright Rider Media. Um, but if you if you go there, I'm sure we could probably work out a, a discount code for Carpe Fide. Uh, <laughs> a patron. We can definitely push that. Do you guys have a booklet on how to approach our wives for letting us go to conferences that we want to go to? Oh, that's, you have a, a, tough, booklet? that's, a, that's a tough booklet yeah, to write. Um, I'll just give them your number. <laughs> yeah, have, have them reach out to me. Uh, Colossians, let's see. Three. Wait, I'm gonna if, wait, wait what, is about, what is about to happen? <laughs> I'm ready I'm to go. give you the first reference. 318, and I'm not going to say what it says okay Colossians right. 318 will for 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 further study for further 
Sunny. So I'll be breaking out, breaking out the commentaries on the midnight or burning the midnight oil over here. Oh, no. No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, you know what? Heck, we'll see if it works. <laughs> How about you? You know what? You go ahead and you go ahead and you you go ahead and. What if I talk to yours and you talk trail. to mine? It's uh, it's plus, a crisscross. Plus three is your uh, kitchen pass. Yeah. yeah, is that what that is? is that, is that that's what gets the sandwich made? Is that I, I don't know what uh, I don't know no. is that what's is that what's happening right now? <laughs> oh boy! Well, we will we will pray on that. <laughs> That'd be better. Yeah, yeah I think that's wise. I think that's wise. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't think of any anything. I I can't think of anything else to even ask. I, no. I feel like we've got. I feel I, very satisfied. Just to get these resources myself uh, under my belt is going to be awesome. I'm I'm like I've got like. 12 tabs open up right now on my on my laptop so i'm very thankful i'm very thankful uh for for this opportunity dusty for for you sharing so much time with us i think this is probably going to be one of the most um impactful informative uh episodes on abortion that we've done certainly certainly more impactful than the one we did on abortion i mean (laughs) definitely more impactful than ours yes i mean well that was that was probably entertaining We, we were talking about the satanists and how they constantly are trying to you know leverage abortion in their religious practices but this was far more darn satanists <laughs> this this is far more uh, applicable i think in in the fight that we need to be having that is a, a biblically informed one so i'm i'm thankful for you sharing your time with us uh this evening oh man it's my joy uh, i'm i'm thankful to have the opportunity you know two years or so ago i wouldn't have been having this conversation uh and so this is this is a just the work of God's grace. And I, I pray that if, if there are folks who have heard this and maybe were offended by my words that weren't the words of scripture that I, I want to apologize for that. But if you were offended and cut to the heart because the word of God was openly stated to your conscience, then repent with me hmm. and let's bear fruit in keeping with that repentance as we receive Christ Jesus as Lord. So walk in him, hmm. uh, repenting and continuing to abide in Christ and bear much fruit. Um, one of the things I would like to do, I'll, I'll email you guys, uh, the resolution on abolishing abortion and I'll email you the doctrinal addendum, yeah. uh, for your statement of faith that people could look at. It's a, it's, it's, it's brief and it gives uh, a lot of, um, kind of the ideas of, of abolition as a, as a doctrinal statement. Uh, one other thing that we're working on is a unity statement and you will see it come out pretty soon. Um, and it it's, it'll be a great resource. Uh, Rusty Thomas with operation save America is, has written a book on biblical strategies for abolishing abortion. That's another one to look at. So I'll stop with the uh, resources. <laughs> if we all give right, him two more right. seconds, he's going to think of five more resources that we need to we need to tag in this uh, in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> if that's excellent, that's excellent. Yeah, if if I could tie one thing, just just for our listeners, because we've we've got we've got so many people that that have stood up for um for Pastor James Coates, Tim Stevens, um that have supported uh Jacob Rayom and and all of these Canadian churches, um mm-hmm. you know th- these people that have been following you know uh, what is fortunately now in the past John MacArthur's stand in California keeping open the church and i just want to tie in i just want to tie in the idea because as i as i kept hearing you um talk to the talk on this podcast about um about pragmatism about incrementalism and about about how different it is it it really 
I don't know, if Justin, if you felt this way, but it really reminded me of all of those very pr- pragmatic arguments uh, for closing churches and for for not obeying God when He says to gather. Um, it, it 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 really felt in the same vein. Like I feel like I feel like these these are my people. And I di- I didn't even know that these are my people in in that way. That it felt it felt so familial because I, I feel like those. We're going in the same direction on that. that absolutely fantastic. So, Because we share a mind, of course I thought those exact things. We are basically the same person. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> um, Terrifying. Well, we, uh, we definitely, when you, when you send us that email with those, those statements that we can uh, be posting ourselves on our social media to get into the hands of more people, also send us your t-shirt size because you need one of these shirts because um, you are very equipped to have awkward conversations, and one of the things we hope our shirts do is creates environments for awkward conversations. Um, so, so with the free the state shirt, you're you're definitely getting one. So definitely send us your shirt size with that. Um, and if and if anybody out there wants one, they're on the Carpe Fide shop, and uh, uh, a portion of those sales are going to support the ministry of Free the States. That is the goal of what we do because um, we don't make money that's not what we do <laughs> we're not good at, yeah. we're not good at that and we don't want to do that anyway so no, but we um, want to fund the people we want to fund the people on the front lines that's absolutely yeah. correct if we can be a blessing and uh, also put you in an awkward spot in the grocery store to have to talk about uh <laughs> why we need to stop killing babies that's that's also uh, a joy that we have <laughs> yeah um so definitely I have, a, a, I have a shirt i have a shirt that says abortion is murder on the back of it and that's that's another one that'll bring up some conversation yeah. or at least yeah. Some people will just walk away and not talk about it. But my wife, I'm the king of awkward. I I love awkward situations, and so that'll oh be perfect. Gosh. I love where this is amazing. Yeah, we we are we are <laughs> we, also we, the kings of awkward. We yeah. we love that. <laughs> I don't think Maybe I don't think shirt that says that. You know. Oh, that's yeah. it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. We're on it. Well, this has been a joy, and and I thank you. Um, and we always end our podcast by saying one thing and one thing only. We hope that we've encouraged the church this day to seize the faith. faith.